Shut up and sit down. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Limited Upside Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ben Epstein, the co-host here. Again, as always, is Mike Prada. Mike, it's great to be talking to you. We're even further uh, from each other today. We're really actually in a long-distance podcast relationship. I'm in Florida. You're in New York. Yeah, and what's the temperature there today? I don't know if I want to say this. we got a lot of Northeast listeners. Uh, uh, rub it uh, in, Ben. Rub it in. It was 80 and sunny. It was oh, beautiful here. How yeah. could you? How could you? This, you know, it was funny. I don't know when you left for Florida, but in New York, you know, Saturday it was nice in 60s or whatever, and then immediately yeah. slammed right down to 30 degrees on, or 40 degrees or whatever on Sunday right after. And now we're suddenly in the winter. I went from wearing <laughs> no coat to my winter coat. Yeah, it's amazing. I was there. I went for a nice run in Prospect Park on Saturday in t-shirt and shorts. It was beautiful. And then uh, that's in Brooklyn. And then on Sunday, I was in a, a winter coat with a you know beanie on and a scarf. And my dog had to put her little hipster jacket on. It was just it's Wait, a calamity. Your dog has a coldness. hipster jacket? Yeah, she does. She has Wait, a flannel. What does it look like? It's a flannel. It's a flannel. A flannel uh, jacket. Really? Yeah. We may have She's to a share. short-haired dog. She's a pit bull. She doesn't have much fur. She needs that protection. Well, not much protection. Oh, she does need a lot of protection, I guess, with yeah. the hair. But yeah, so wait, is this like a Kurt Cobain style flannel shirt type yeah. of thing? Like, yeah. She's an early Seattle, early 90s grunge look, um, you know, with a pit bull in the middle. So it's like Seattle meets Brooklyn circa uh, 2016. I was going to say circa now. <laughs> yeah, circa right now. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Did you, well, did you are, get yeah. the uh, flannel shirt just for Brooklyn? Yeah, no, I, I took it off a, of a seven-year-old, actually, who was wearing it, a seven-year-old human. I was like, that looks like it could fit my dog. So mm. I took it off the kid. I shoved him to the side. And uh, sorry, PS29 here. That's a little school joke here. But uh, no, no, it's it's one of those things where, like, she was really cold right away when I got her. And so I realized I had to get her a jacket. And then, of course, when you search for, like, nowadays for, like, a jacket for a dog, I know our listeners are enthralled. Uh, the th- first things <laughs> yes. that come up are, like, hipster Brooklyn jacket for dog. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess that's appropriate. Oh, so you didn't um, even go down the search <laughs> You just kind of went no, for the first no. search result. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. We, we're going to have to see a picture of that. But uh, all yeah, right, fine. Let's, let's talk about fine. We'll talk about basketball now. That's what well, people want to hear. Yeah. We're basketball. a month. We're a month into the season. Uh, about and so I pose this question to you. I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask <laughs> you anyway. What are you most excited about for the first month of the NBA season? Yeah, well, clearly there's only one answer from from this guy sitting here in my Sixers uh, t-shirt. Uh, Joel Embiid has been so exciting, man. I think Joel it's been, Embiid, the process. Yeah, call him the process. If that's, I guess that's trademarked almost at this point, right? I think he was going for that. Um, yeah, yeah he's been that. incredibly exciting. Look, part of it is that it wasn't just like a one month wait. A lot of these teams, a lot of players, new lineups, the Bulls, new lineup, etc. Uh, the Knicks, new players. Like we had an off season to get ready for that, and then the season started. I've been waiting for years to see Embiid play for. <laughs> the Sixers uh quite literally three years now the the team's trajectory has you know pivoted orbited around his abilities and we did not know what they would be we had a good idea based upon you know what people were leaking out of practices and what you'd hear from the inner squad scrimmages um but he's been everything and more um and to a degree that I couldn't even visualize I couldn't visualize a seven foot two guy like him uh playing the way he does and with the confidence he has I think that's the thing that stood out the most for me um he thinks he's one of the best players in the NBA he barely knows how to play basketball on a team level <laughs> still 
which is right. the most impressive part. Um, but yeah, he's he's been a breath of fresh air, man. I, I needed something. Look, the Sixers have four wins, which is, by the way, a lot more than they've had at this point in the last three seasons. They're um, almost like, they're they're forty percent of their way to last year's win total. Yeah, that's right. That's right. They won ten games. Thank you, Mike. Uh, they won ten <laughs> games last year. Wait, um, how many games did they win again? I, I would like you to tell me again. I, I didn't. Yeah, ten. Hey, be careful. We'll get to some disappointments <laughs> over the first month okay, in a little right, bit. You're, you're all right, right. All right. All right. But, uh, yeah, they won 10 last year. Um, and now they've got four. They are on their way to what I believe we would call a winning streak to quote major league baseball. If you win another, that's a winning streak. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, it's exciting. It's awesome to watch a young kid who has like the most life and energy and excitement to play basketball. He, fucking loves basketball and the city feeds off of that the way that iverson loved playing basketball it's the first time since him uh, since iverson where the city has really wrapped itself around a player uh and i've seen a, a number of you know tweets from guys who like our liberty ballers website various guys from that website have put up that he's the best two-way player in philadelphia since julius irving and i don't even think that's Ooh, hyperbolic. wow wow wait i'm not even sure that's hyper man he's yet. only playing 24 minutes a game though 22, 22.2, 22.2. Excuse me, 22.2, 24 max. Uh, yeah, 24 max. One, the best two-way Philly player yeah. since Julius Irving. Well, go ahead and think about it, man. We don't have an illustrious list since Julius I, Irving. Is because this, uh, I assume off. only basketball. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, I mean, that's the whole thing here. Like, yeah, we're well, talking basketball. I don't know. Are we always for, already forgetting, like, Andre Iguodala was pretty good for a while. Like, I think he'll he, pass Andre Iguodala, but, like... He's only played a month and only half the yes. game. Like, let's, I don't know if yes. he's quite there yet. I'm supposed to get excited here. This is what I'm most excited no, okay. about. So let me you're go right, with You're this. right. I'm I sorry. Agree. Let, me, let, me, let me not temper your expectations anymore. Uh, he's a big dude. Like, I, I don't think a, it's kind of funny, like, watching him uh, when he plays. He plays half the game. And then because Julio Oakford is also on a minutes restriction, <laughs> he also plays half the game. And so they always end up replacing each other. And, Jill Oakford looks tiny compared to to Embiid. I, I think that like some of our warped perceptions of how Jill Oakford is doing is only because literally when we watch him, he checks in only for Embiid, and so you see the cut the same group of players on the court, and there's one giant dude, and then there's just normal looking Jill Oakford. I think that hurts. I think that hurts his value. It hurts Oakford's value. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel for Jalil Okafor. He is a gifted offensive basketball player in a specific type of offensive way, in an isolation, hold the ball, and eight seconds or more. Big man, we've talked about this on the podcast before. Uh, sort of what Elton Brand unfortunately became, what Boozer kind of ultimately was, uh, which is these guys who hold the ball. They're not really that uh, you know multifaceted in what they can accomplish, but what they are good at, they're very good at. But the problem is, Embiid is better at those things than Okafor. Right, so <laughs> that's the thing. He doesn't, he, he's, there's nothing Okafor does that stands out compared to Embiid. Right, he just nothing. It's also, I mean, size wise, he just he just looks small. Yeah. He looks he like is. he's. I mean, Okafor's he's not four small. Shorter. Right, but I think that's the thing that's like overwhelming is just how big Embiid is. I mean, you said he's doing stuff you didn't possibly imagine. Like, I don't know about you, I imagine. I guess I didn't think he would shoot threes like the way he is. By the way, did you see that ESPN stat and info stat? That was a, a massive, great tro- troll job. That was most three pointers through the first what, like ten or fifteen games of their careers, and he had more than Steph Curry. Yeah, I did saw you that. see that? That was I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, nothing better great. to kind of get you more excited. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if like he's other than the threes, he's doing stuff I like didn't imagine. I guess I just forgot how big he was. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't this big. Part of it is he was not this big when he graduated from Kansas. The last time we saw him play, you know, organized competitive basketball, he was two inches shorter. Yeah, that's true. And a lot of not pounds as thick either. Yeah, he's he's very big, thick wise. Yeah, and and one of the other things, and what I've been 
I guess most impressed with from a physical standpoint is he he is a little awkward in terms of uh, big long steps. Um, you know, sometimes you see he, he hits the ground way more than I want him to because he's trying to sell calls and he acts. He's got like a you know kind of a soccer flair uh, to the European big man flair, if you will, of taking <laughs> those uh, falls to the ground. And I, I I hate seeing those, but I do understand that is somewhat part of his full spectrum of game. But you know, one of the things I've been most impressed with is he, he times guys really well. He times, he timed LeBron on a half court, which ended up being goal. Oh, but it, yeah, that's it was right. goal. That was a great play. It was a great play. And he timed three steps from half court to block LeBron on a chase down. He's made a couple other uh, weak side defensive plays this season. A couple I can think of that come to mind. One against uh, Phoenix where he took one big step corner of his eye, but it was the perfect step in the right angle for the weak side block. And these are things that, like we mentioned he doesn't know really how to play basketball yet. Well, he doesn't necessarily get the whole five-on-five team basketball component <laughs> yet. Not, qu- not quite yet, no. Yeah, but these little glimpses of, of defensive magic, I mean, he's such a defensive force. He leaves his man too early to get blocks. That's just from being overzealous. I think he's trying to max out those 22.2 minutes in a way that might change his game that'll be different when he's playing 30 a game. But – I mean, man, he makes these in- instinctual, intuitive defensive plays. He's unbelievable at the verticality. And because he's so big and so thick, and this isn't like an Alex Len going up vertically. This this is more like uh, if Hibbert could actually jump. That's a, actually a really good tall. comparison, I feel like, that if Hibbert yeah. could actually jump. you know, So yeah. the Sixers, when he's on the court, are allowing about 100 points per 100 possessions, which is a very good mark. When he's off, the, that would be the best mark of any on-off number for anyone on the Sixers. When he's off the court, they're at 109. So, yeah, there's <laughs> a – I mean, there's a big difference. Actually, Hibbert without, with the ability to jump is like kind of a good way to describe it because he yeah. – I don't know. He just takes up so much – you can imagine like – one day that the Sixers could build one of those Pacers-esque defenses where they have these great perimeter defenders and then there's just Embiid as this towering verticality presence. Yeah. You know, yeah. at the, you know, I think my favorite play with him so far this year, and then we, I want to, I want to get your talk, your thoughts on like kind of his personality. Cause I sure. think it's going to be interesting, but one of my favorite plays I was watching last night's game against Miami. Uh, we're recording this on, on a Tuesday night. There's this one play where he faked, pump faked Whiteside, who went flying for three, and he was rumbling down the lane. And Dion Waiters and Luke Babbitt were definitely in a position where they could have like slid over to easily take a charge, mm-hmm. and, and they just didn't do it. They were just like, "Nah, we're gonna box out our guy in case he somehow misses." Yep, yep. It's just not really worth getting in the way. Nah, just let's not get in the way of this dude. Yeah, because imagine like 280 pounds coming down on a pump fake on a three. So oh yeah, and he has a euro step. The thing about that is. Guys have tried to get in the way of Embiid this year. It usually just ends up with him at the line. And this is, again, one of the things we haven't even mentioned yet. But he's a really good free throw shooter. Um, well, and- yeah. I mean, that's a, that's the interesting thing. <laughs> he's not quite like DeMarcus Cousins nimble when he's driving. Like, he's still yeah. a little stiff. But it, there's Agreed. something. Agreed. There's definitely something. He's definitely not. I remember him in college, again, like being really explosive vertically. And I, I don't see a lot of that right now. I think he just put on too much weight. He's not going to, like, kind of power through a guy like, a one step, one foot jump type of thing. Like he's yeah. more, he's he's got better footwork and he's got like kind of better touch. He sort of can just dump balls in. He's not quite the athlete, but there's a little bit of shiftiness when he attacks the gla- the, the basket. And again, like seven two two eighty, right? That's what he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's an enormous guy. I mean, he's huge, and he's had a, a number of these head to head matchups already this year. Where you can watch him stand next to, uh, you know, Gorgie Jang, um, or uh, um, you know, even a Carl Anthony Towns, and again, Towns is spectacular. We could do a whole podcast on how freaking good he is and how bright his future is as well. Um, Minnesota, 
they might be one of my big disappointments so far to start the year. They're a little lackluster, but the, yeah, we should talk uh, about Minnesota a little later. Yeah, we will. We'll get to them. We'll get to them. But you know, the point is when you see him next to these other quote unquote seven footers, including his own teammates, when he stands next to Noel uh, and Simmons and Okafor, you know, practice or in pictures, he's so much bigger. Uh, and that is something that I think kind of fits his personality to get to that. He is a larger than life guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> he, he's, He's really special when it comes to the actual vocal component of, of what he's thinking. He's pretty good at expressing himself. Well, uh, he's very clever. Did you? <laughs> he finds a way to drop process and trusting in every <laughs> interview. What he said something along the lines last night, uh, uh, something about having to trust the process of some sort of play. Uh, <laughs> let me see if I can find this quote. Uh, but yeah, and then he, he trademark. Um, he trademark. What exactly did he trademark? I think. The process, right? Right. No, I know, but like, so something was Shirley. He was selling like process oh, Shirley yeah. Temples. Yeah, yeah. He's pretty much combining all of his uh, pop culture references into one into one brand. Um, but you know, look. He's, oh, oh, this was hilarious when he was okay. like the the tweet he had after Donald Trump got elected. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, his social media presence, which he was honing over the last two years of not playing basketball, is second to none. He is as funny as uh, of, a, of a sports personality with his own, and this is what's unique. Mike, I know you'd agree with this because like SB Nation has cultivated its own online voice, right? Your own, you know, SB Nation basketball has its Twitter voice. Embiid has like a Twitter presence and then he has who he actually is. And that is spectacular and really difficult for athletes to do. Right. I mean, so here's my question, right? Like we all love this now, but it is a little bit of a one note thing with the whole process thing right now. Sure. Like, you all know this is going to happen. Everybody starts to turn on interesting players. We've seen it over and over again. Like suddenly it just isn't as funny anymore and nothing has changed with the athlete. We just gotten over it. And so when is that going to happen? for Joel Embiid is this a you know it's going to happen like this happens yeah. to everybody well I think I think at some point he'll go from being this kind of like national figure of interest where we have like I mean of the different uh, uh SB Nation community leaders and writers and editors that we had on over the summer Mike to do the team previews I follow all of them on Twitter every single one of them is making sure to watch Joel Embiid play uh, yeah. in some capacity and i'm well, thinking some well, of that's, that's the novelty of it you yes exactly play. and also right. you only have to watch half the sixers games to be able to <laughs> kind of true. watch what you really want i mean that's the other thing yeah. it's like a great for sure it'd be a great like red zone type of thing if they had that for nba it's like yeah. the Embiid alert yeah yeah we were thinking about how we could make a channel uh, i'll get back to finishing that point in one sec how do we make a channel that's just like the last two minutes of each quarter and half uh, and we need to have a good name for it and that that would be kind of part of league pass crunch time because uh, Crunch time. No, that's taken. We need a patent. Well, what, do you mean? Wait, what do you mean it's taken? Crunch, it. crunch, crunch time was that old show on NBC in the morning, wasn't it, with Ahmad Rashad? No. What? what? No. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Uh, no, that was Inside Stuff. Inside Stuff. Well, uh, crunch time maybe was on NBC. I don't know. Whatever it was. But look it up. Look it up. Crunch time, I think, was a show. Either way, Money that's time. Good. Money time or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But uh, the point I'm making, though, is that, that the national audience is fixated on seeing this kind of you know unicorn right now. I think he's always going to be this kind of incredibly popular Philadelphia figure. I mean, he wore his own jersey out to a club oh, after Bobby, their win. Yes, the he night, did. Which is so, a spectacular move. It is, but you got to admit, if that was someone else, if that was someone that we weren't already delighted by, we'd be like, what, yeah. the, what the hell is that dude doing? For right? sure. Oh, he's bought that good He's bought that good faith, but he buys it by being a unique guy, having his own kind of character. And one of the other things, too, is like he has uh, uh, been in America. Or he's been in America since he was 15 years old, or turning, just turned 16, I believe, or whatever it was, when he came over to play high school basketball. He's 23 years old now. He has spent such little amount of time 
becoming an American. So he's really this amazing fusion of, uh, of, of Cameroon, Africa, of the French influence that, that he kind of grew up in in school, and then having this sort of you know, hyper-accelerated cultural immersion to a Lawrence, Kansas, a Montgomery <laughs> Academy in Florida. I mean, these are wild places. These are yeah. basketball factories. Right. And now he's just spit out into an urban American city in Philadelphia. Right, Go right. fend for yourself. And he's, he's an interesting collage of things, man. I, yeah. I'll I'm say just this. Saying, I'm just saying if that was like John Wall or if that yeah. was, uh, you know, Yasiel yeah. Puig in baseball, it's a different sport, but like, yeah. you would think of it differently. I agree. Well, just think the novelty is going to wear off at some point. I, I, what are we going to do then? Let, let's not make the mistake of like building a dude up so much that we're just going to tear him down later, I guess is all I'm saying. I agree. I agree. And I'll say this. I, the last point on that personality thing, he does everything with the uh, with an optimistic uh, you root for him specifically because the injuries were so uh, you know displacing. They, yeah. This guy, we always root for the stories of of potential to make it, and the saddest stories are the ones where potential isn't met. Uh, those are always the saddest thirty for thirties, you know, where like the Benji Greg dies. Odin's, the Greg Odin's, exactly the Greg Odin's of the world. And because we have that in our memory, we root extra hard for guys uh, like Embiid and and with Wall. I feel like Wall has been come at from so many angles, and maybe this could be our proper transition uh, you really to, had to do you really had to segue I, right away i felt like the right way to do it uh, we'll, we'll get right. back to well let's just go to it let's go to a team who's been disappointing the first month of the season because this this podcast kind of i don't know who you're talking about when we were talking about this before the pod it said well we've both been interested in the sixers and Embiid, and we've both been let down by um by the wizards and my mike i know you struggle with this on a day in day out hour in hour out basis so take me through your first month of the washington wizards season and, and bring me into john wall's kind of emotional state uh, yeah. as he continues on uh, this this process with yeah wizards. i don't know i mean i'm like absolutely getting a little more apathetic just because at this point with it's been how many years with the same management team and it always ends the same way there there's something I mean, the team on paper should not be this bad. I mean, they, Wall and Beal, Beal has had a couple big games. He had 42 against the Suns the last time out. I mean, that's, if you develop that right, that's supposed to be a good backcourt. Otto Porter's playing well. Markeith Morris a little up and down, but he's talented. And Gortat is like a decent, pretty solid player. I mean, that should be a 40s wins team. I mean, that's not a gangbusters team and look they they have a terrible bench and that's cost them but there's something they just don't play to their potential i i just feel like at this point there's something wrong with that culture that's holding the team back and that's what's so frustrating is that it doesn't even really we can talk all we want about like yeah they just have no depth and yeah yeah like beal has been a little up and down and he hasn't quite taken the next step even though he's had a couple big games and yeah wall you know, at some point, like if you're the guy on the team, you've got to pull everybody else together, and you know all that. And yeah, the roster isn't great. Like, when are they going to trade Wall? But like at the at the end of the day, there's there's something wrong with the management structure that reflects on the court. There's something wrong with you know some some sort of kind of culture that is supposed to develop this improvement hasn't been built. They they don't play at this all the same problems we thought were just Randy Whitman's problems. Mm. You know, now they're still holding up under Scott Brooks. And I don't think it's really Scott Brooks's fault. I think there's just something wrong with the maybe it's just that they haven't really built the sort of camaraderie that they need. Maybe it's that they've acquired too many 
of the wrong type of player and it just doesn't breed well in the locker room. Maybe there's something going on with Wall and Beal that has carried over that has kind of affected the rest of the team. You know, maybe there are too many guys looking out for themselves. It just it doesn't feel like everything's pulling in the right direction. And so when they play, you know, Wall can put up these big numbers and he can he's made these individual improvements and he still has these brilliant moments, but the the whole never comes together the way it's supposed to. And at this point, it's hard to look at this as like a single problem with John Wall, a single problem with Scott Brooks or whatever. There's something wrong with the culture of the team that I think is affecting this. And like, even if they recover and win and get back in the eighth seed race, you know, I think I thought before the year that Wall would be able to overcome some of this stuff. And they, I wouldn't think they were kind of going anywhere as a franchise, but I thought at least they could make the playoffs and mm-hmm. sort of be in that mix. Now they're even a level below that, you know. And again, there's no real like kind of light at the end of the tunnel because their cap is used up. They spent all this money. They spent, you know, $28 million on bench bench big guys and now they're playing Otto Porter and Kelly Oubre at the power forward all the time. I mean, yeah. I mean, I know $16 million of that is injured right now, but still, I mean, that's that's a big... There's something. There's a disconnect there. I, I, I don't know whether it's a problem of talent acquisition. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of criminal to me that they know that they have Brad Beal with these injury problems, and yet they don't find another good backup shooting guard to play play, so they doesn't have to carry the load. I mean, they got Marcus Thornton doing that. Yeah, I, I just don't understand that. And then, you know, I don't know if they're requiring the wrong kind of players. There's something wrong there that I think goes beyond like the roster and the players and even the coach. And I'm not quite sure how to put my finger down on it. I'm, it's, I'm interested in this coach component of this because changing a culture is usually step one of a new coaching regime. Um, getting players to think differently about basketball because realistically you're in there to change a system or to change the way players are playing uh, from an individual perspective. And it looks like this is more from an outside perspective. I've only caught a couple Wizards games this year, including the one where they, you know, the Sixers kind of took it to them. And that was not a good game. And the Wizards defense was, was atrocious in that game and apparently has been for most of the season. Um, what impact if any have you seen that Scotty Brooks has made and then tell me about where you'd like to see him make potential inroads with the Beal Wall relationship because outwardly it looks like everything stems from those two yeah I mean I think on the good side Wall is shooting more free throws this year that was an area of emphasis he seems to be finishing a little bit more effectively you know that was an area that Brooks emphasized that was good Um, I guess you know, with Beal again, it's it's like sort of up and down. Uh, I think you would have hoped that there would be some way to help work them work better together. But what I see instead is that you know Brooks' tactical offensive struggles have really. I mean, this team doesn't really run too much different stuff. I haven't really noticed than they used to run. And then defensively, it feels like they're they're kind of bringing in a new system, uh, a much more aggressive one where they have to trap closer to the ball. There's not as much – they were more of a drop team last year, and I think the new system worked in – it's what Brooks used in Oklahoma City, and it worked mm-hmm. there because of the athletes, and I just don't know if it's going to work here. They're allowing so many three-pointers, and they're kind of running all over the place. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know what the nature of the, the Beal Wall relationship is. I mean, they insist it's fine, you know, and, and maybe it is. And I, I think ultimately Wall is – for sure proud that Beal had 42 points. I, I just don't think that the whole is really meshed into a cohesive system. They don't feel like they play free off each other. It's, mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know exactly what that is. You know, It might be the mix in the starting lineup. I mean, you're looking at one good three-point shooter. And I think Markeith Morris is sort of like, I don't, 
there are a lot of guys on that team that I just don't think they know exactly what they are in the league. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Markeith Morris looks at that is like that. So I'm not really sure exactly. I, I think it takes time, but I also, again, I, I think it's got to go beyond the coach. I mean, the coach is only is there at, during practices, but there has to be some sort of like overarching philosophy that guides that. And I, I don't yeah. know exactly what that is. And I think that goes to management and to the owner. And you know, I, until we see a significant change there. I just think it's hard to really evaluate how any coach is doing, you know, with this team. And they, that's the next place to go because Brooks is on a five-year contract. Yeah. Which is, which is, uh, alarming to say the least. I'm not exactly sure. Um, I, I, I'm not exactly sure what the tenants of Scotty Brooks's offensive system were. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what it is either. Like, you know, he, he had an interesting hand that was dealt in his previous coaching job that was sort of unique in NBA history. So, uh, it's, it's a little different when shaping a completely different team like the wizards. But I wanted to ask you about what you saw differently because the wizards have done this a couple times this year where they have had a somewhat humiliating loss followed up by a somewhat emphatic win. And that have they? Where, where do the emphatic wins? Well, they they went from losing to the Sixers to the next night of kind of putting a nice win together, scoring 119 against the Knicks. They yeah, went. They, from, they also allowed 47 points in the fourth quarter of that game. And even true, the win, even true. the hey, wins. Look, I'm just saying they've had one win that felt really good, and that was Celtics. The Celtics win. And yeah, yeah. The other wins are Atlanta, uh, which was an ugly, ugly game that I think they got lucky in uh, okay. last night against Phoenix, uh, where. They went down to the wire with a really bad Suns team. They couldn't stop Devin Booker for a while. Look, nice win, but they needed Beal to play like all these minutes to get all these points. I mean, he's, he was over forty minutes the last two games, and that's that's really scary. That's not good. Yeah, um, scary. And they have one other win, and I'm blanking on who it was against. Yeah, they beat the Hawks. They beat the Celtics. They've beaten the Knicks, and they've yeah, the beaten Knicks. the Suns. And in yeah. the Knicks game, they allowed forty-seven in the fourth quarter. I mean, look, good game. You know, I just. I yeah, think that they yeah, sort of right. have. I think they sort of have the outlines of a team that makes sense, but it just doesn't. The brew doesn't work. Like there's something. The flow right. doesn't work. And I, you know, you have to look for that to be the case. Like there's so many different ways to look at it. Part of it is you just wonder if it's just the wrong mix of personalities. You yeah. Know, too many yeah. guys who are kind of outspoken and thinking about you know themselves and not kind of fostering as much of a collective you have to wonder about that and i think that that goes to wall too you know this falls on him a little bit in a leadership sense and he's talked about needing to, to lower his turnovers and he hasn't done it so mm-hmm. i think some of that is there um maybe there's something with the preparation the player development i think that has something to do with it as well um i don't know i mean i thought it was it was actually sort of interesting uh and enlightening early in the year where March the bench has been really bad. Like I just think talent wise, they did a bad job building that bench. You know, they have no good swingmen. You know, Sadoransky is really the only decent perimeter player on the bench. Marcus Thornton is really not that good. Trey Burke is really not that good. Kelly it's usually Dubray's, a problem to have Marcus Thornton on your team. Yeah, just and as, playing a big a, role a too. It's, it's not even that. Like he's playing a real role. Like okay, he's like. <laughs> Use breaking place of emergency, like, okay, fine. But they don't have another – they need to have someone ahead of him. And so instead yeah, they yeah. spent that money on Jason Smith, who stinks. Yep. Andrew Nicholson has been really bad. Uh, Mahimi's injured. So anytime they go to the bench, it's like this huge moment of trepidation, first of all. Yeah. And then Gortat said something along the lines of, like, our bench is stinks. Our bench is bad, which is like a statement of fact. And I thought it was interesting that the team made him sort of address the rest of the team in front of everybody. 
And to me, that was interesting too. illustrated that there was some sort of rift that developed from that. And, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, yeah, well, Gortat was just, you know, saying a statement of fact, and he was, and if that wasn't a big deal, why did he have to sort of address the team? It's sort of right. the way I look at it. And, you know, and maybe there's something where the point of note, they have so many of these new personalities that just doesn't mesh that they didn't really take into account like how this was all going to work personality-wise. I don't know. I just have no other explanation because they're one of the league's worst defensive teams. Brooks was supposed to fix that. I mean, one thing yeah. we should have thought about this team is that they would defend. You know, and Wall is statistically having a very good season. Um, so it's not a matter of... Oh, yeah, he's not, having a really good season statistically, and, and he's scoring more. He's at like almost 24 points a game. Yeah, and he's shooting threes well. He's finishing better. I mean, statistically, it kind of makes... He's having a good year, so that's not the problem. So there there must be something deeper going on here for this team to underachieve because they have talent, and the East is sure. not very good. And look, they're still right. like two games out, but... Right. Well, I want to I want to ask that because we don't need to talk about Embiid's been special, and the Sixers have almost no prospects of making the playoffs. There are a couple games out now, but I don't care about where they end up. It is important for the Wizards to make the playoffs because they have to show, uh, show that they are still moving in an upward direction and not folding whatever pieces they have together right now and saying let's wash our hands and start over. I know that's one of your biggest fears is having to deal with. Maybe a, a start over again, another reboot. Yeah, the I mean, it's not, it's not even, yeah, it's not even just like, just sorry to cut you off just to kind of talk about that. Like, it's not even that they have to rebuild and like they're, it's just that like, it's almost like history is repeating itself here. Mm. They, they sort of always are hitting this glass ceiling where it just feels like the team has the same sort of something is wrong with the brew and it just flames out. And then they have to restart again. It's like, well, we've done the same thing with like three different times with this GM. Like, what what is there to look forward to with that? And Interesting. Yeah, it's true. It's true. That has been a cultural issue more than any other team of the last I don't know, decade. When you hear those words like uh, cultural problems, it feels like that pins on onto the Wizards. Which well, it's is, them in Sacramento, really. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And you never – again, what's one thing they both have in common? Thornton. I'll tell yes. you one other thing I'm excited about, and that is I think that this is going to be a really interesting Eastern Conference All-Star team to pick. Uh, Paul and Tom had a really interesting piece today, which was like, who's the second best player in the Eastern Conference? And they named a lot of guys. It is interesting. I'm trying to think in my head who I think the second best player has been this year. Yeah, that's that's what they were getting at. Like, who okay. is the second who is the second best player if like based on right now? I mean, I just think it's going to be an interesting all-star team. I mean, yeah. Look at, let's just rattle off some names. Jimmy Butler having a big year. Yeah. Paul Kemba. George is still there. Kemba Walker having a huge year. DeMar DeRozan yeah, still DeMar looks DeRozan. great. Isaiah Thomas having a great year. Dwight Howard and Paul Millsap still there. Yeah. Don't forget yeah. about Kyrie Irving. who's having sure. a great year. And the other guy and who's had his first triple-double last night is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah. And yeah, Porzingis, having, don't forget about Porzingis. I was going to say Porzingis is having a heck of a year. Hey, John Wall's having a good year. John Wall's um, having a great year. Hassan Whiteside's <laughs> having a really good season as well. Yeah, Miami. he's having a really good year. It's funny. Whiteside is in a really similar situation uh, to you know Embiid without any of the kind of future around him. It, that he had a great game last night. Um, you probably you did watch it, right? You watched I, yeah, the I watched that game. game. Yeah, I watched yeah. that game. Whiteside was fine. The rest of the Heat's team is terrible. Um, that's yeah. why we picked their under. Dragic, but, um, Dragic looks a little done to me at this point. I, yeah. I just I've never been the biggest fan of his game. I think he had one great nah. year, and every other than that, he's had 
been good, but never been like the upper echelon player that I think a lot of people wish he was. But he's not having. I totally agree, especially when you compare him with the other elite point guards in the Eastern Conference with your Lowry's, Thomas, uh, Kemba, Kyrie. He's not in there in the same sphere. Um, So that's interesting. Who I'm not sure who the second best player has been. That's a really good question. I think it's probably you know Jimmy Butler this year. Yeah. Yeah, Chicago's been a little better than I thought they would be. Yeah, yeah they're pretty good. They're yeah. a uh, nice point differential for the season, winning by an average of about six point three nine and five. They were they were a team who we said was uh, we were going to follow closely with their trajectory and how the Knicks and Bulls would mirror each other. And I like to think that the Bulls got off to a much smoother start. But I still see the same issues. They're better when Rondo is not on the court. That seems to be the case for Rondo over the last five, six years of his career. Now, that's an interesting issue that usually manifests itself later on in the season when that's a more important stat and the minutes are more important. Um, So that's interesting. But Butler's been great. And I think maybe caught up in like, hey, the Bulls won't be able to shoot that well. And, you know, there's only one basketball. We forgot about the fact that he's one of the best two-way players uh, in in the NBA. Yeah, and he's shooting the ball well. He's getting to the basket. One thing I've been kind of pleasantly surprised by, and I was always skeptical about, is that this whole – I really thought there would be a pecking order problem on that team. And Mm -hmm. he would have to take a back seat uh, in terms of some of the stuff he'd do. He had to spot up to make it all work. Uh, mm-hmm. And all that that has not happened. He is he is the guy on that team. Yeah. You know, yeah. that he has the highest interest rate. He's higher than Dwayne Wade. Uh, nobody else is above twenty uh on that team besides those two. Uh it has kind of fallen into place there a little better than I thought. Well, and the role players, the guys like a Lopez uh, and a Gibson, these are the perfect players to put around guys who are going to have the ball in their hands. They don't need to have the ball, and they are tremendous dirty work guys. Yeah, Gibson's having a really good year. Robin Lopez having a really good year. Really underrated player. They are rebounding. They're the best rebounding team in the league, Uh, so they've compensated for it. Their shooting hasn't been great, and I don't think even their shot defense has been great, but they get – they. They don't foul and they they protect the basket and they don't they get a lot of second chance points. Butler, by the way, astronomical free throw rate for Butler this hmm. year. I mean, him and like Kawhi Leonard is the same way. We talk about Kawhi this way. We don't talk about Butler. He, he's Butler's attempting nine and a half free throws a game. When Jeez. he gets the ball in isolation, he gets to step on you. He's just so strong. Yeah, and he kind of shows it. Through. And he's shooting forty one forty two percent from three. So. He's probably my pick, you know, because I don't know if George has been that great this year. I still need to see more from Giannis. I guess the other guy I would think about is is Kyrie Irving. Sure. Uh, but, I mean, this is going to be an interesting all-star picks. I mean, we may have a lot of new faces there. Like, who – Yeah. if you had to pick the guards right now, let's say you have to pick five of them. Like, who are the five you're taking? Okay, I'm taking Kyrie. Uh, I'm taking Kemba. I'm taking Isaiah Thomas. Is Giannis? Are we calling him a forward? I think. I think. We, let's say Giannis is a forward, just to make it Giannis, easier. Even if he's okay, Giannis point, point, is a point. Okay, he's a he's a forward. Uh, I'm taking DeRozan, uh, and I mean it's really Lowry or John Wall. Yeah, Lowry or let's Wall. Let's say Jimmy Butler is a forward. Sure. Then Lowry or Wall, but I guess right now I'd probably say Wall, uh, just because I'm going to have DeRozan on there already. So yeah, that would be my top five. But that's razor thin, and really, there's six very deserving players. Right, and then at forward, and then at forwards, you've got LeBron. I think yeah. you have to have Paul Millsap, you know, Butler. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to have Paul George. You've got to have Giannis, and I think you may have to think about Porzingis. 
Yeah. Uh, and then so no mellow. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what do you do with and then at center? I think Dwight Howard's got to be in the conversation. Yeah, uh, of course. Horford is coming back, and he's looked really good the last couple games. Uh, White side for White sure. White side, I absolutely. Uh, again, the Knicks have looked really good with Porzingis at center uh, this yeah. year. Well, he's that whole the whole thing with the Knicks is getting Porzingis second team minutes where he can be the guy, gets him into the flow of the game, and he's a significantly better second half player when he gets to play those important end of first early second quarter well, minutes. Like, just, that that just, made sense. And as a center, like it just makes sense. Yeah. And, and we haven't yeah, talked yeah. about Kevin Love. I think you got to include him in the conversation. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's going to be an interesting All Star team. I think. Yeah. You know, no, I agree. Um, in in the uh, to finish off the loop of the Eastern Conference, so real real quick, uh, Mike and I agree it's going to be a very interesting All Star game, and I, I'm kind of looking forward to that now. But um, months away. Do you still think, though, given all the crap you just talked about with the Wizards and the issues they have, and we've talked about this time and time again on this podcast, how uh, how much parity there is in the Eastern Conference from really below Cleveland to above the Knicks and Sixers, um, or Nets and Sixers, I'm sorry. Do you still think there's a good chance the Wizards get in there, or are you actually no. truly concerned 13 games in they're going to miss the playoffs? I, I think I, I would be surprised. They wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I don't think they're they're not playing that well right now. I mean, yeah. Even though they they've got four know. wins, none of their wins look good. I mean, if you look at point differential, I mean, I guess Indiana and the Knicks. I mean, they could make it back. Um, Milwaukee has looked kind of interesting. Um, yeah. I think they're going to be. I think Detroit's going to bump bounce back once they get Reggie Jackson back. Um, yeah. Same. And Indiana has played poorly, but I think they're a factor. And I, I still think that if the Knicks figured out what their real best lineup was and just rolled with it, you know, and they just yeah. stopped playing Joakim Noah and they stopped trying to go big, they, yeah. I think, have playoff talent. You know, they've had some yeah. really good games. So I, I think it's unlikely they make it back. No, I, I don't like yeah, the chances wow. right now at all. Man, all right. All right. It's not so, over, right, but like, conference. it's not, not over. It's not but, over. Like, you know, I, I, just, I just haven't liked what the way they played even in wins. Yeah. Like, I don't think. Yeah, they haven't sh- And they haven't, haven't exactly had the hardest schedule in the world. They've had some really easy games recently. They, you know, you got to beat Miami at home. You just have right. to. you got to win at Philly. You have to win that game. And No, we yeah. talked about this. Like, remember back I made some kind of like stupid, obvious comment. Like, the reason why the Sixers will only win 15 games is because every time they play every other team, they're the underdog. And it's like <laughs> when you're a team trying to make the playoffs in a parody laden, you know, uh, conference, you have to beat those teams that are below you in order to maintain staying up in the pack with the teams that are around you. That's um, uh, for sure. You know, and, but uh, real quick, we just did two Eastern Conference teams, two quicker hitters right now for the Western Conference. Uh, who, who's been your surprise team in the uh, or player uh, in for the first month in the Western Conference? And who's been your disappointment? I'm a little surprised how well Memphis has played. They're now nine and five. Uh, they seem to have, their offense isn't very good, but at least you're seeing signs. Marcus all bombing away, uh, so that has come together a little sharper than I expected. Mike Conley, we never, we always don't appreciate him having a great. Yeah, he's season. so good. Having a great season, so that that's been a nice little surprise. I've enjoyed watching Houston just because I love watching Harden this year. It's funny how I just love. I can't everything. I used to hate about him. Like, did you see this play? His play he had against Portland that I put on my Twitter feed that was he comes across half court. He veers off a screen. Jake Lehman, our, my cult favorite player from the Blazers, who actually is not that bad. Uh, he's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, he's not that bad. I told you he would be an NBA player. Yeah, anyway. We always said he was better. Made for the NBA, not made for college. I guess this was my brother that I've argued. Uh, so yes, okay. he comes across half court comes off the screen 
he does this thing where he sees Layman's arm like sort of in the way. He grabs Layman. He's dribbling with his uh, right hand. He grabs Layman's arm. He puts his left hand under Layman's arm, lifts it up into his right arm, like his right elbow, and then just flails away, draws a three-shot foul. Uh, he's unbelievable at that. I, 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 a lot of people hate that crap. Yeah, but I feel, I'm actually so kind of sure I fall. I thought it was. I just like kind of laughed at it. It's like I mean, that's, like, a, that's he, a genius at work right there. Yeah, there. Okay, there is an evil maniacal genius component to what he does. Okay, I'll give you that component of or like, that say, side. He's basically of the story. saying, "Stop hitting yourself, Jake Lehman. Stop hitting." That's yourself. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> that, I couldn't agree. That is the best analogy possible. He is the equivalent of the older brother of the NBA holding every little brother's hand and hitting themselves in the face, saying, "Stop hitting yourself," because there's nothing they can do about it. They're quite literally just trying to play basketball, and somehow they're fouling him, That's and great. usually for three shots. Um, it's fantastic. I find myself watching the uh, a, a more than in a few Rockets games this year. I think I've caught like four or five basically to watch him play. Number one, stylistically, they're a lot of fun to watch, but then Calvin Murphy in the booth is so oh God. <laughs> funny talking. They talk, talk about someone who loves the offensive side of basketball. Okay. Calvin Murphy loves offensive basketball. Cal- Calvin Murphy is a halftime analyst. At halftime. Yes. I'm sorry. At halftime. Yes. Yes. And when I, when they, when they bring suits, him up and he's talking about he's like a junior yeah, five, unbelievable. Over there. Yeah. Yeah. He, he really, no, forget junior. He's right there alongside. He dresses tremendously. Ooh, I and, don't know uh, if anyone can ever be alongside Clyde. Well, Clyde is, I guess his own, Clyde sort of is the, uh, uh, the trendsetter in his own right, but there's always others. And, and I'll say this, man, when I, when he talks about the the moves that that uh, that Harden puts on, ninety percent of them are not with the intention of doing anything other than getting fouled, and I think that's kind of special I, when you're anticipating. I see. I it. sort of disagree with that now. I think now oh, that he man. has space, like he's actually, you can actually see like how the the breadth of his skills, his ability to kind of stop and go, and just yeah, the timing of his passes. Now that he actually has the space to do what he wants, like I, think I agree. Before I agree. it, it was. Like an optimal play for the way they were structured to just crash sure. into people. I haven't seen as much of that. I just the the one play with like the Jake Lehman and the foul drawing up the the three pointer. I just thought was hilarious. Also because yeah. Jake Lehman is a second round rookie. Um, <laughs> just totally unprepared for that yeah. play to happen against him. I like your Memphis pick, by the way. They have been. Uh, I know that our our dear friend of the pod, Joe uh, Joe Mullinax, uh, who who definitely would agree with your uh, with your. A call there for Memphis, who has been surprising. Um, the other team I'll say who has been disappointing, and I think we mentioned them earlier in the podcast, but uh, the Timberwolves haven't turned any corner, so to speak, yet, despite wow. being up in fourth quarters. I mean, uh, again, this is a Tuesday. Last night, they got they were winning going into the fourth against Boston, and Boston went on a 17-0 run, I believe it was. Yeah, they, I think they, they scored 31-12 to 12 in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and like that... That shows that you're not quite there in terms of a, a group mentality, a team mentality of how to win. I, I see this all the time with the Sixers. I've watched a couple of Phoenix games this year. They've lost close games to good teams. Uh, the Golden State game comes to mind where there is a certain cusp that these young teams get to where they don't know how to win yet. Um, and I'm not willing to give that excuse necessarily to the Timberwolves in the same way I am with the other teams. Um, maybe because the... Maybe because they do have Rubio back now, and maybe because I do hold Towns in such high regard. Or well, maybe Tibbs. it's just because Tibbs, yeah, is we expected him to be the difference between losing those games last year and winning them this year. Um, any thoughts on the Timberwolves so far, Mike? Yeah, it's a it's a bizarre team. I saw a stat uh, that their great play by play guy or color commentator Jim Peterson tweeted like maybe a week ago when they were losing to Charlotte um, that they have I think the best. 
and second best or something like that net ratings in the first and second quarters, and they're in the top ten in the fourth quarter, but they are dead last by a mile in the third quarter. So basically they come out of halftime and they just fall apart. And yeah. it, is, it is the most bizarre thing, and I, I'm not really sure what the problem is. I mean, I guess it's youth. It's like one of those mystifying things that they i wonder like as good as towns is and towns is so talented i still think sometimes he's like settling for the wrong types of shots he's not great at mm-hmm. passing out double teams uh wiggins is still great amazing score having some putting up some great scoring numbers oh uh, yeah but the poise i don't know it's it's actually kind of bizarre it's so bizarre that i i wonder if like it can't possibly continue and yet it just keeps happening they just have yeah, these was, stretches where they just yeah. fall apart because point differential wise they're they have a positive point differential. Yeah, they are. They, have, they are. they have a very good offense. They're shooting threes really well. You know, their defense hasn't quite come around yet, and that's a little bit surprising under Tibbs. I don't know. It's it's. A, I, I think you kind of we kind of need to give them a little more time. We got so carried away by how good they could be as soon yeah. as this year. And well, let me ask you though: they, the guys who we were excited about, Towns, Wiggins, uh, Gorgie Jang, um, you know, Levine, uh, Tula, uh, Levine, they've been good. I mean, yeah, you just, you just mentioned how good these guys have been, but somehow that has translated to four and nine. That's where I believe the blame maybe can be shifted a little more, maybe to, to coaching decisions potentially. But I, the one full game they played, the complete game they played the whole year, uh, did happen to be against the Sixers, and we do bring that out uh, sometimes in teams. And Wiggins was <laughs> unbelievable in that game. I mean, his yeah. shot is so smooth. His lift is so fluid. He shoots at the top of his jump, which was an issue, I think, kind of coming into the league. He would kind of out-jump his own jump shot sometimes. Yeah. Um, and and then Towns has literally a million moves i mean he is so good did you good. see that movie put on al Horton oh, yeah. the other day on, with the, the step back ended in the step back first play of the game too yeah that was, <laughs> that was ridiculous. that's what horford did that. to guys five six years ago by the not way like that, give you a though. pump fake <laughs> yeah like never that. as athletic <laughs> i completely agree and when you see a move like that on the first play of the game <laughs> i don't know what you're thinking as a defender but it's like shit that seven footer just gave me a, a a pump fake jab step step back fade away from 20 feet away and i played I really like, good defense i feel like i just like kind of sit go on the floor and just bow to them and try to get <laughs> yeah. in their head like oh you can't you, you can't possibly do better than that uh, i don't know yeah. wiggins <laughs> is shooting 44 percent from three last post all-star break he was over 40 percent. i think that's real good the thing man. with him that we still have to kind of figure out and look he's only 21 towns is only 21 this is why i'm like kind of let's chill a bit on these yeah players. yeah maybe we got a little too happy too early on that. maybe this is just like a weird bizarre thing that will go away but wiggins is still not really creating for others he's not really rebounding he's, he's got to show a little more in his game but you know, I, I'm willing to give those folks time. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's putting up a lot of uh, Demar Derozan box scores from the previous three years, where it's you know 20 something points. Granted, with a better shooting percentage this year, um, but then you see those threes. other numbers. Yeah, but then you see that like one assist, three rebounds, and you're like, eh, that's not enough extra basketball in between the scoring. No, um, especially with with Thibodeau, who's going to need that from you because um, their defense has been bad. I mean, they're giving up a buck three a game. Um, not 20, bad per 22nd se. 22nd in defensive efficiency. 22nd. Yeah, that's that's clearly not where Thibodeau would like his teams. He got his old uh, and often injured Bulls teams way above that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so they, they, I think we both agree they've been disappointing. One other team I'll say has been, uh, you know, uh, 
a, a nice sweet spot in the league so far this year now that they're healthy and, and I believe uh, uh, Chris Paul can see better uh, is that the <laughs> the Clippers are, are awesome and yeah. we didn't know that J- we didn't think necessarily I know when we did our preview that J.J. Redick would be able to shoot the same way and, and offer the same type of value he did last year but he's been great again um, yeah. to compliment Chris Paul who's been great and Blake Griffin who's been great uh, that's a lot of good components and, and Doc seems to have them kind of nicely moving along um, I believe they might be the most Second most efficient offense. Well, they, most they're leading defense? the league in defense. Okay, leading they're number the league. Okay. They're, or maybe they dropped the second recently, but their yeah, defense but has been lights out. Um, absolutely. Uh, so here's the question, and and the other thing that's happening is that the Warriors are just terrorizing teams on offense. I I saw oh, this yeah. stat from a uh, friend Nate Duncan who has a great podcast uh, that they have the highest offensive rating the Warriors do this year since 1987, I believe. Oh, cow. So the only problem is that they just defensively they're kind of taking nights off. But yeah, I think we can put to bed some of the concerns about how they fit together. Well, I yes, I agree. I, I think, think we that's can put kind those of a, to bed. But totally. if they play the, I mean, the, the game I've got circled on my calendar right now is December seventh, Warriors at Clippers because to me those are by far the two best. Well, I guess Cleveland also is a case, but you know maybe not by in the far. West. Sure, sure, in the yeah. West. I mean because I think San Antonio is eleven and three, but I don't like the way they played. I think they're clearly a couple of those teams. The Clippers have a lot going for them that can make the Warriors sweat. I mean the Warriors rebounding is not great. DeAndre Jordan can can board. They're starting to switch a lot more on defense, so I'm really curious to see how they do with the Warriors' attack. Like Blake Griffin is switch can switch onto Durant. They can deal with Green. You know, Chris Paul has always been a little bit of a thorn for Curry, although I think that has flipped a little bit in recent years. So I don't know. To me, I'm really curious to see how those teams match up because right now I think the Clippers are a better team, and I I suspect that once the Warriors start to try a little harder on defense. I think they're, they're sort of conserving some of their energy. They will probably close that gap come playoff yeah. time. But right now, I think the Clippers are definitely the better team. Yeah, yeah, which is interesting. And uh, we should say that this is the the core that the Clippers have been uh, playing with now for, for a number of seasons. They should be hitting the ground running like they have. Um, and, and to a lesser extent, the Spurs, obviously, with the, um, Tim Duncan now being gone, we do expect these teams to get off smoothly. Um, with the Warriors, obviously, they had an incredible season last year, um, but there were new pieces to be, to be uh, um, you know, implemented, and they are scoring 117 points a game. Um, and they do that without really playing a full 48 or, or really putting um, the right. foot down on the gas. It's, I it's saw another st- stat. Stunning. This yeah. is another interesting stat from uh, Dean Oliver, who's kind of the dean of analytics. Um, okay. He said he tweeted that the Warriors' garbage time defense is awful, but when the game is like kind of on the line, they're like tenth in defensive. <laughs> Interesting. So, well, so those are the stats that matter too, by the way, because like I, I'm thinking of that Phoenix game specifically, which their defense clamped down in like about the six to three minute mark of the fourth quarter. And Phoenix didn't do anything, which was a two point game, and they end up winning by double digits. And so I, I, it's interesting. Um, I'd like to see more stats like that, by the way. Well, I think I think that happened last year too. So they their point differential wasn't Spurs level, but that was because they Got were it. just terrible in garbage time. Got it. Um, Got it. So I don't know. It's interesting. Huh. I I'm just really curious to see how that'll work because I, I think the Clippers present so many problems yeah. uh, with their rebounding, and now if their defense can really match up the way that I think it might, that 
that might be uh, a, an antidote to what the Warriors do. At the same time, the Warriors have all this firepower. I just, sure. I think it's going to be a really interesting game. And you know, to me, those teams right now feel like, with the apologies to the Spurs, who I'm sure are not going to take this well. To me, those are by far the favorites. I think to meet in the conference finals. I mean, at this point, the Clippers, if they don't make it to the conference finals this year, I mean, what? That's it's, it. Yeah. That's it. I mean, they're all free agents. It's like, what what better chance do they have? Um, and I'm just, I'm yeah. just really curious to see how that – because there's also a mental block there too because the Clippers always find a way to fall apart. That's right. That's the right. Warriors. So I, I'm just really – that's the matchup. You know, no game until then is really tickling my fancy. I mean, yeah. beyond the normal. But December yeah. 7th, Clippers-Warriors. It's kind December of really, 7th. All right, it's soon. Really a couple weeks from now. Yeah. Is that a Thursday night TNT? Uh, ESPN Wednesday night. ESPN Wednesday night. Okay, cool, cool. Very nice. Well, uh, I guess some things that we should just last uh, mention here, uh, lastly, would be that the Kings are exactly who they usually are. Uh, they're mm-hmm. dysfunctional and they're, pre- they're pretty bad. Um, look for the Pelicans to make a little bounce back now that Drew has come back. Sort of a nice moral rallying cry around a, a guy who has uh, you know, been through a lot in his personal life and, and now can assist yeah. Anthony Davis. So look great, for him to bounce great back. Great to have him back. I'm excited. Yes. Happy. Tremendous. Tremendous. Agreed. Uh, yeah, he's and, a good uh, player. I mean, you, you, very. you see the it's, difference. Already. He's a huge upgrade from, from who was playing. Yeah. And that's for sure. Um, and, and lastly, um, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure that Orlando, uh, is, is as, as bad as I thought they were. And I'm not exactly sure that, uh, they're as good as maybe you thought they were preseason, but at six and eight, Orlando still makes no sense to me. And we could do another podcast on them another time, but they, they are one of the weirdest teams in the NBA. I think they're closer to what you think they are. Than okay. What I okay. Thought they were preseason. Okay. Aaron Gordon's not even starting anymore for that. Yeah, I know, which is crazy. But part of that is when you hype a guy up, externally like they did like this is the year this is the breakout he's gonna play this position in this role for us and then it doesn't actually fit and then you have him on your bench like you have created the the uh you know the echo chamber there of success but the player didn't do that you know his his his, his numbers didn't do that but yeah but it's also like that that's like a sign that you have messed up the construction of your team yes because there's no reason that uh i mean the he hasn't necessarily played terribly he just doesn't play the right position yeah, that's right. They could be on the wrong team playing the wrong position too. Um, but again, these young guys who get drafted by their first teams and they're not necessarily in the right place, sometimes they sometimes they find their way uh, on another franchise. But time will tell. Um, projecting way too far in, in advance for the Magic and, and for Aaron Gordon. Um, I think that's really it. Good little uh, uh, teams we like, players we like, teams we're disappointed in, players we're disappointed in. Um, podcast here. I guess next time we'll try to get into. Uh, we were, we apologize and we had said we're going to have Andrew Sharp on. We are. Uh, we just again we ran into some scheduling conflicts a couple weeks ago, um, but we will have Sharp on uh, in the near future. And look for us to uh, continue to tap into our. We haven't done it recently, but we got a lot of uh, new young talent at SB Nation, and we look oh, yeah. forward to having them on this podcast. Mike, who who can we look forward to in the next couple yeah, weeks? Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll get our new folks on. Um, yeah. You know, like we said, we have a couple new writers that I'm real excited about. And, uh, yeah, we'll get them on for sure. Very nice. Um, guys, please, uh, as always, subscribe to this podcast. Uh, find us on iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you download and subscribe to your podcast. We can be found there. Look for Limited Upside. Uh, send us your questions at, at limited underscore upside. That's on Twitter. You can always uh, send Mike emails. That's another way that we get our questions. We didn't have any this week because this was a little impromptu. We didn't know if we were actually going to be able to get uh, uh, the podcast in that I was traveling and it's a holiday week. But we know a lot of people are going to be stuck in tons of traffic. So so yeah, we podcast. also promised it. Yes, we also promised we're never going to miss a week again, and I don't intend to. 
No, so not I, at all. I could travel um, with my microphone. Yeah, have a good Thanksgiving. Um, yes. It's been a fun first month of the year. Uh, try to be careful with the politics talk at your Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Moratoriums it, all in over fact, the country. In fact, in, if that happens, like perhaps you could talk to them about like why you think the Clippers switching defense. Yes. <laughs> yes, we just gave everybody the blueprint for how to not talk about there. politics at their Thanksgiving dinner because you just, know – what the difference between uh, the the Clippers' defensive rotation this year is, um, and and why Golden State's last uh, close defense uh, in the fourth quarter is actually better than their blowout defense. And you're talking about someone switching their vote, and instead talk about how the Clippers are switching their defense. That's right. That's right. There you perfect, go. Perfect. Perfect. There's, segue. A, life, there's a life hack for you all out there. Hey man, sports above everything. It's a universal. There's no left. There's no right. There's no blue. There's no red. There's just the team that you support. It's a beautiful thing. Until next time, Mike, Limited Upside Podcast. 